One thing you got to learn to love about Brother Mike is, is that he wears his emotions on his sleeve, especially when it comes to Jesus. And he's not ashamed of it, and he's a big old man and that kind of a deal, but he doesn't mind crying about it. And Brother David, I'm glad to see you, even though I think that the medication has gone to your head. I know you got a good nurse in Miss Patty, but I am glad that you're here uh, tonight. I want to shift gears a little bit, maybe just a tad, to give you a couple of things for you to consider that I think it's going to be imperative for you to know in the days, weeks, hopefully not years to come. I don't know when the Lord's coming. I wish one of you would figure it out, and if you figure it out, I'll be glad to preach it for you. I'll tell everybody. I don't care. I'll tell them where I came from. I'll give you honorable mention or whatever about it. Uh, I like to study about the Lord coming back, but sometimes it gets depressing because you think you get it figured out, and it's going to be 1988, and then it's going to be 1989, and then 1990, and then it's got to be 2000. Got to be. Because, you know, Y2K, that's going gonna, gonna to be here. And now that we're in 2023, and what a drag. Uh, I really do want to go home. You say, well, don't you want to live? Yeah, I mean, I'm not taking up a load tonight, but if the rapture were to happen for me, uh, I think it would be a great thing. Uh, a fellow said to me, he said, you know, you kind of talk. It's depressing to listen to you talk sometimes because you talk about just wanting to get out of here. He said, man, you got one more day to do something for the Lord. And I said, yeah, that's true. And I have one more day to mess up too. I've seen a lot of Christians get up and get out. And in the last days, if that Bible is right, the Bible says in the last days, many will give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, and many shall depart from the faith. Now, I hope I'm not one of those many. But I've seen some good men, I've seen some smart men, I've seen some individuals that know the Bible, and they've even been to Bible school, and they know how to rightly divide, and they're so far off the deep end now, it's not even funny. And guess what? They don't even go to church anymore. They don't need church anymore. They have their own little ministries and their own little things. They're fulfilling Bible prophecy. You say, what are they doing? They're departing from the faith. He tells you that, that it'll take place when the Antichrist comes with power and signs and lying wonders. And you get over into 2 Timothy chapter number 4. He said, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they, the church, will not endure sound doctrine, but heat to themselves, the church, teachers having itching ears, and be turned from the truth unto fables. They had the truth. But they'd rather listen to somebody tell them fairy tales and somebody tell them stories and somebody entertain them. And so then all of a sudden what you have is, is a whole lot of music and no preaching at all, no Bible at all, no stability at all. Everything's just a free-for-all because what they're trying to do is utilize carnal me methods for spiritual re uh, reasons. You can't use carnal methods to get anything accomplished spiritually. Nowadays, churches are beginning to change things in order to try to keep people coming. I think that's contrary to the Bible. I think if Jesus isn't enough to keep you coming, then guess what, ladies and gentlemen? You're probably going for the wrong reasons. Amen. But I also think if the Lord were to come to look for you, where would he find you? Do you ever pause to think about that? I used to hunt years ago with my friend. We used to go hunting. And in spite of the fact that I saw deer that got killed on the side of the road, not one time did I ever hang a stand on a light pole off of 295 and expect to kill a deer out there. I went to the woods where I thought the deer might be. 
I used to fish a little bit. It's more than wetting the lure. I didn't just go to my bathtub, fill it up with water, and throw a worm or something in there. I went where we all thought the fish were. If you went offshore, you used the Loran to go to fishing holes and help to find where the fish had been in the past. But it's strange to me how Christians in the last days think they can find God and behind a burning bush or behind some other thing other than the church. I think if the Lord were to look for it, in Ephesians he says uh, that Jesus Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. I think if the Lord were to be looking for a Christian, shouldn't it be normal for you, him to find you in church? I mean, isn't that a good place for him to look for you if the Lord were to come back? I mean, I think it'd be great if he came back. I think he should come back on a Sunday night. You say, why? Because it catches a lot of people not where they ought to be. They'd be at the house watching the ball game or whatever it might be. And people don't, they take the church for granted. I don't know if you know this or not. Brother David does. I'm positive because you've been traveling for 25 years. Your pastor knows. He's pretty well plugged into things. But churches are drying up and they were drying up long before COVID. COVID was the icing on the cake. If you don't think the church is under attack, why is it that, and this is not a governmental thing, but one of the things that they did during that time, if you don't think it was satanically inspired, was is the one thing you needed during uncertain times is to be able to gather together, to sing praises to the Lord, to be able to pray, to be able to hear what God's got going. And you know what they did? They shut the churches down. The first thing Hitler did when he took over uh, over in Germany and stuff like that and when he took over in Poland and other places, the first thing he did was eliminate church. Fidel Castro, eliminate church. Every dictator has come in, the first thing they want to do is, is prevent you from gathering. They don't even have to do that anymore. We prevent ourselves from gathering. We're not interested anymore in going to church. I'm churchy, I like church. A fellow said he was being a smart aleck. He goes, well, the only reason you go to church is you get paid for it. Well, that may be true. You know what I said? You're probably right. I'm probably so weak. If the Lord didn't pay me, I might not go. Now, I was being sarcastic to him. I'd like to think I would be like you and I would be in church if I wasn't getting paid for it. I'd like to think that if the Lord hadn't called me to be a pastor, but I've got to tell you something, folks. I'm not stupid enough to think that the Lord didn't look at me and figure if he didn't call me to preach and didn't call me to, to, to study in order to be able to preach that I might not read my Bible. I don't take that that that's me and my self-discipline. I think that's the Lord looking at me and figuring I better do something to help him accomplish what I need him to accomplish. So I'm going to call him to preach that way he'll be in church. And then I'm going to call him to have to study, to be a pastor. So he's going to have to study in order to keep him to read the Bible. I have an advantage over you. I am required to get into the book. You say, why? I pastor Bible believers. My folks are like little teeth and eyeballs. They put on when I come there, they got these little napkins on them and they got this little knife and fork out and they got their Bible open and, and they're either gonna, you're going to either feed them the bread of life or they're going to eat you. You have to study to stay ahead of them. And when you preach in Bible-believing circles, you have to study to stay ahead of them. But nowadays, you know what's happening? Our churches are shriveling up. You say, why? A lack of interest. <coughs> A lack of entertainment. A lack of individuals that come in. So now what they're doing is coming in with all this newfangled, let's try to entertain people to get them to come. Whatever you use to catch them, you're going to have to continue to use to keep them. If you don't come to hear preaching of the Bible, well, I don't like him and I don't like this and I don't like that. If you have a pastor that's preaching the Bible to you, there's nothing in the Bible that said it's always supposed to entertain you. 
Sometimes the Lord doesn't raise his voice above a whisper, but it'll do something for you if you get plugged in. I think sometimes the last uh, uh, gift of the Spirit is, they think it is the gift, is a gift of criticism. That's pretty good. You say what? We spend a lot of time criticizing everybody else. We never look at our own selves. We spend nothing but all the time. Well, what happens if your pastor's up here running his mouth three and four times a week? That's an easy shot. I mean, what if all he did was watch you three or four times a week? He'd have plenty to talk about too, wouldn't he? Can you take your Bible and turn to John chapter number 20? <clears throat> I find it sort of strange. You can keep your seat tonight now. Just let me get... Uh, comfortable here. Y'all are looking at me tonight like you're ready to tar and feather me. And Lord knows they have fed me enough food in these last two days, man. I'm about to break out in a sweat. I feel like a blimp version of myself. I'm, uh, I, I feel kind of, you know, bloated, smothered and whatever they have at Waffle House. I feel sorry for you kids that grew up without Waffle House. You, you, you're, you were abused as a child. But, uh, you know, they get them smothered and scrambled or whatever it might be. I mean, I've had biscuits and cinnamon rolls and... I, my goodness, man, I told my wife, I said, I'm going to go home. I have to fast for a month just to be able to get this stuff out. I feel like I'm going to get concreted, and I'll just leave that to your imagination. <laughs> but, you know, I think it's a strange thing that when the Lord Jesus Christ begins his ministry that you find him over there in the temple at 12 years of age, and you know what he's doing? He's talking to all the people that know things. And when Mary and Joseph lose him, you know where they find him? In the temple. That's where he starts his ministry. Don't you find that interesting? And he gets out there 12 years of age and then he goes and then after he gets baptized, you know, or you find him at, at the age of 30, you find him back over there and he's preaching out of the book of Isaiah and he gets up and he reads to him the book of Isaiah and then he closes it at the first advent and he starts his ministry off right there again in the temple. You know, he's contending with all the time the people that are in the temple, the people that are in the temple. Isn't it interesting that if you find him there that you would think you would find uh, people here, Christian people here? A fellow said to me not long ago, he said, you know, I don't see much in the Bible about uh, the Apostle Paul talking about hail. And I said, you mean the stuff that comes round stuff out of the sky? He says, no, I mean the place is burning. I said, you mean hell, like hell. He goes, well, yeah, hell, you know. And I said, okay. He's from the south. I said, uh, brother, did you ever look at who Paul's talking to? See, I got some of your attention. He goes, you know, that's right. Paul don't mention hell. Jesus mentions it nine times. You think we should mention it? Sure you should mention it. It doesn't conflict with the Pauline epistles. You know why Paul doesn't talk about hell? Because he's not preaching to lost people. He's preaching to saved people. That's a basic in Bible study. Who's talking and who are they talking to? Paul is speaking to the church. You're not going to hell. Why do I need to preach on hell except to give a testimony, thank God we ain't going there. Amen. Or maybe you're living that way. That's a good use of the word. But the bottom line is, is that you look at that and the people that, how come the Lord wrote the Bible that way? The Bible's written in such a fashion throughout the Pauline epistles that he just makes an assumption, and I know where that fits. He just makes an assumption that a Christian's going to be in church. He doesn't make an assumption that you're going to be sitting on your blessed assurance at the house and that you're going to be doing whatever it is you want to do. He figures if you throw up a brush arbor, if you throw up a tent, if you throw up a, a church building, that Christians are going to be found in church. That's why the Bible's written the way it's written. It's making the assumption you're a Christian, you're going to be in church. Isn't that where you should be? You say, well now preacher, you know, I don't know about that. Well, well hold on a second before I even get started here. And let me just say this. If a kid's going to be a student, don't you expect him to be in school? 
I mean, homeschooled or regular school, right? Are you going to send them a truant officer? Isn't that required of them? Don't they require participation if you're going to be in school? Can you, you're, you're fixing to box yourself. You're like, I know if I say that, he's going to say I should be in church. You should be in church. You should be feeling guilty right now if you ain't in church. You say, well, I'm here tonight and I'm sorry I came. Okay, well, you'll be more sorry by the time you leave. <coughs> but ladies and gentlemen, you have to recognize certain things. If you want to wind up being a, let's say you're going to run a marathon, you're not going to go the day the marathon's running. You have to qualify for it. You're not going to show up out there, all 290 pounds of you, and say, I'm here to run the marathon. <laughs> and they're going to say, uh, well, you can run it in a wheelchair, but you sure ain't going to run it. You're going to collapse and die. You know what you have to do? You have to practice, you have to practice, you have to train, you have to train, you have to train in order to qualify so that you can get in there. And people say, well, the preacher, that just makes perfect sense. If you expect these guys to be a paratrooper, you expect them to be in the Navy, don't you expect them to show up for boot camp? And don't you expect them to be put through the paces? Isn't that reasonable? Why shouldn't it be said that if a Christian is here, the Christian ought to be in church? Why should a preacher even have to waste his breath to tell Christians you should be in church? any more than you should tell a student you should be in school or a preacher that he needs to study. But you tell Christians nowadays that you should be in church, you know what you have to do? You almost have to try to justify why should you be in church because the Lord said you should. There must be something to what I'm saying because he says in Hebrews chapter number 10, he says to you, he said, as you see the day approaching, you have forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, even more so such as you see the day approaching. Well, the day is approaching. Whether you like it or not, we're still closer than we were this yesterday. The day is approaching. That means what? Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Adam's over there in the garden. You know what the Lord said? It's not good that you dwell alone. So he creates a woman. You say, well, but preacher, you know, no, listen to me, folks. You need to understand you need to fellowship with each other. You need to have somebody other than just your family sitting around there where the husband is the preacher and the wife is the deacon or deaconess and the children are the, the, the trustees and they're all the choir and all that other kind of stuff. That's garbage right out of the pit of hell. Home church foolishness. God didn't intend for you to be in a home church. Well, you know, back in the old days, no, when the church was first getting started, what they recognized before long, the thing exploded. They couldn't all get in the house anymore. So they started having to have church buildings where people could gather. That's how the church began. Well, I'm trying to get back to my roots. Be careful you don't go back to a rotten root. You say, what is that? That's your rebel in you. That's the maverick in you. That's the nobody's going to tell me what to do in you. You know what you don't realize? You need the assembly of people together just like this. I mean, every time the Lord has really spoken to me and dealt with me, I'm not saying He's never dealt with me privately. I've been in a church meeting, sometimes during a song service, most times at the end or middle of a preaching service where God has come in and dealt with me, sometimes harshly and sometimes gently and sometimes softly. I hear from God more times in church than I do outside of church. But I guess you get what you pay for. People nowadays, they tune in on the internet. That's fine. I think God will bless you if you don't have another way to be there. Then you see somebody come rolling in here in a wheelchair who ought to be at the house because he's sick, nearly dead. They almost died not long ago. And he's sitting in church. You know what he said when he rolled in back there? He said, we've been watching it online and stuff. He said, but it just ain't the same as being there. Well, he's blessed the Lord. I got to get them other things out there. He's right. It isn't the same as being there. You never know when you come into a church service what you're going to get a hold of. 
God could appear to you out there. Some of you as bad as Oral Roberts. You think he's going to 900 foot Jesus going to show up there at the end of your easy chair and stuff like that. Oh, I'm just going to stay home. You know, honey, my corns is hurting. Bring me another moon pie and an RC and, and let me see who's going to win the game. You can turn that thing on a little bit later on. The Lord said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. That means you got to put some effort in it. Now, let me show you what a hypocrite you are in the name of Jesus in a nice kind of a way. You get up and go to the grocery store. And don't tell me it's just to get necessities. You go and get all kind of stuff at the grocery store. Every car has to go by a gas station for you to be able to get to your destination. You don't realize the food and the sustenance and the gasoline you need to get you through week after week after week is in the filling station called the church. And God put it here to give you what you need to get you through and most of you are running on empty and the tank is banging around and you're wondering if you're going to be able to make it day in and day out and you're anemic and you're weak because you're not stopping by the filling station. You get up and go to work every day, don't you? See, you won't even amen that. <coughs> don't you get up and go to work every day? So, no, well, you know, since COVID, you know, I work from home. That's one of the worst things in the world, man. You can't even get people back home. You can't even get them to fill up restaurants anymore. You say, why? Because they're working from home. And now all of a sudden the government's cutting off the money at home and they're saying, folks, y'all got to come back to work. Well, can I work from my computer? No. Well, then a robot will take your job. You get up and go to work, don't you? You get up and go to weddings and funerals, don't you? You get up and go to sports and all that other kind of stuff, don't you? But I guess you go to what you love and what's important to you. Church is just one of those kinds of things that I, if I don't have anything else to do, I'll do it. I'm not getting on to you. I'm just bringing something to your attention. You can do with it what you want to do with it. It doesn't matter. I'm just, I'm trying to be sweet to you. I'm kind. I mean, I've been around for a while. But you miss some things when you miss coming to church. You never know what God might do when you're in church. You realize sometimes things happen at church and you can't describe how that happens. You ever been in one of those meetings? I mean, one of those uh, Shekinah glory meetings where the Lord comes down and touches you and does something for you and answers a prayer for you and then you go out there and you try to tell somebody, man, you're so pumped up and excited. You're like, man, you wouldn't believe it, man. The Lord came down there and, and they're just and they're like, yeah, yeah. Is that on YouTube or something? Did you, did you, did you get a picture of it? And it's like, you know what? You kind of just had to be there. And that's where we find ourselves here in John chapter number 20. Thomas missed some things when he missed church. He's the first independent Baptist in the Bible. It wasn't John the Baptist. <coughs> you say, how do you know that preacher? Because he wasn't in church on Sunday night. You say, that's not really funny. No, it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy that the troops don't show up for muster. It's a tragedy while we're singing onward Christian soldiers that the soldiers can't even make muster on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night or for a special meeting. Amen. That's a tragedy. Amen. I'm telling you in the last days you have to fight the seducing spirit. What's a seducing spirit? A seducing spirit, ladies and gentlemen, is not always connected with physical pleasures. It's whatever trips your trigger to get your eyes distracted from the main thing. It can be work, it can be yourself, and it can be physical pleasures. Look here with me in John chapter 20. I'll try to preach to you for just a little while this evening and maybe give you something that you haven't thought about, I, I hope. But where do you think the Lord would look for you? Where should He look for you? You say, well, you're just trying to get us to come to church. No kidding. 
That's exactly what I'm doing. Oh, well, we got that preacher. Can we go home now? No, I'm not done yet. Then the Bible says this in verse number 19, we're in John chapter number 20. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus, stood in the midst, and said unto them, Peace be unto you. Interesting, it's nighttime. And when he had said so, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. And they said unto them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father hath sent me, so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Jump down quickly to verse number 24. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord, but he said unto them, Except I see his hands in the print of the nails, and put my finger in the print of the nails, and excuse me, and thrust my hand in his side, I will not believe. Brother Andrew, you pray, would you, and ask the Lord to help us. Amen. Would you agree with me that it would be somewhat supernatural that the Lord doesn't have to knock on the door or open the door. He just happened to walk through the wall. Don't you agree that them being able to be gathered there together and seeing the supernatural presence of the Lord show up would be something worth talking about? And don't you recognize that Thomas missed that and that there's no way that they could duplicate that again? Can you imagine when they went to Thomas? You know what Thomas's response was when they tried to tell him the great things that happened? Man, the Lord showed up there. He said, peace be still. He gave us the power. He told us what the path was. He said what the plan was. So send I you. He told us how it was going to be filled up our tanks, man. I mean, Thomas, boy, it was a blessing, man. You should have been there, Thomas. And Thomas said, yeah, I don't believe the Lord would have showed up. I ain't there. That's what he said. I don't believe you. He said that in so many words. What's kind of said parenthetically there, ladies and gentlemen, is, is that I don't believe the Lord would show up if I wasn't there. He said, unless I see him and put my hands in a nail print and put my hand in his side, I don't believe he was there. Thomas, we're telling you, he was there. There's 11 of us here that are telling you, man, the Lord was there. He showed up. It was an amazing thing that transpired. Man, I wish you had been there. Yeah, I just don't, I don't know about all that stuff. I mean, I think you guys must have been smoking crack or there must have been some hooch in the wine or something like that. I, I just I don't believe that. Have you ever done that with a Christian? You have a great church service. You go, boy, the Lord was really there yesterday. And they're like, yeah, I don't know about that. You know, last time I was there, the Lord wasn't there. Maybe that's why he wasn't there. Maybe all of a sudden that bad spirit prevented the Lord from showing up. Or maybe he showed up and everybody else saw him and you didn't. You know what Thomas said? Thomas said, I don't believe the Lord showed up. And then he said even further than that, he said, you know what? Unless I see it for myself, I'm not going to believe it. Well, what a fool. 
I mean, you've got 11 witnesses. The Bible says out of the mouth of two or more witnesses, let everything be established. Ladies and gentlemen, do you understand what he just said? This is a man that has been with the Lord for three and a half years. He's one of the 12. Look at his attitude toward these other boys preaching to him, talking to him, telling him about the importance of being gathered together. Look at his response to that. I don't believe the Lord was there. I'm glad you guys are excited about it, but unless I see it myself, I don't believe that. You don't hear a whole lot about Thomas and the other but he's one of the twelve. You say, well, there's only eleven. Okay, one was a devil. You got to get another fill in there. We'll get that in Acts chapter one later on. But would you agree this? He's one of the main guys. He's seen the Lord resurrect the dead. He's seen the Lord give sight to the blind. He's seen the Lord give hearing to the deaf and the ability to be able to speak. He's seen the Lord do miraculous things. Was there when the Lord was crucified and recognizes supposedly, hey, the Lord's been resurrected. You know what he said? I don't believe it. Well, what's the matter? Fella asked me, he said, well, where was Thomas? I don't know, soccer game. That's real prevalent nowadays. Kids are in soccer, got to play soccer. Why you got to play on Sunday? Tournament. Why you got to play on Wednesday? Practice for the tournament. What is it? I mean, it's everything nowadays. It's ping pong, it's golf, it's basketball, it's baseball, it's special school, it's special this, it's special that. Everything and anything to get people away from church. Do you not see the spiritual struggle there? Well, preacher, the church will always be there. Will it? Are you sure about that? If the Lord tells you to be careful to assemble yourselves together, shouldn't you start watching when things begin to interject themselves that distract you from being there? Listen, I come from a background. I had to work some of those times. I didn't have a way around that. But I wasn't looking to work on those days so I could avoid to be in church. I don't know where Thomas was. The Bible doesn't say where he was. He could have been fishing for all I know. He could have been hunting. He could have been sitting at home making biscuits. It doesn't say, I know this. Thomas wasn't there for one reason. He didn't want to be. Amen. And you know why people don't come to church today? They don't want to come to church. Amen. But they're not here tonight. You're here tonight. Why don't you want to be in church when the doors are open? I think that we reap what we sow more so than we think. I think the reason that the doors are beginning to close is the Lord's like, well, y'all aren't interested in it, so I'll just shut it down and go somewhere else. I mean, when you do come together, do you talk about how good God's been to you and what a blessing it is, or to become a gossip factory where all you do is talk about everybody that's not here? Or you talk about the ones that are here, and then you find out the ones you're talking about that are here don't want to come back here because all you do is talk about them when they are here. Did you get all that? If you were to be treated the way that you're treating other people, would you want to throw yourself back in the mix? I mean, I'm just asking you. Maybe, maybe you would. If you had to work, you probably would put up with it. Uh, but ladies and gentlemen, back in school, you know what they call that? They call it bullying. They'll call you down to the office nowadays. They'll expel you from school nowadays. We should probably expel some church members. You say, why? You can't keep your mouth off of people. Amen. Or your fingers. Yeah, come on. Or your thumbs. And then the next thing you know, you're wondering, well, I don't know where them people are. They don't want to be around you because of your attitude. Amen. See, I'm going at this cat a different way, ladies and gentlemen. You're thinking, oh yeah, we ought to be getting on Thomas. No, I'm wondering whether or not Thomas is not there because maybe Thomas is being talked about by the others. I mean, I happen to know some people that don't go to church because of what the people said. They shouldn't do that. Lord knows I wouldn't be in the pulpit if I listened to what everybody said all the time because I'd just get my feelings hurt constantly. Amen. That's part of it. I'm just telling you, everybody don't like me. And it'd be... 
hurt me to my heart. Everybody don't like me. Amen. Well, okay. I won't be back Friday. But, but listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. We have to take an introspective look at the condition of the church before we can just pounce on Thomas. I'm going to get on Thomas, and if you're like Thomas, I'm going to show you some things you missed. But I'm simply saying this to you, ladies and gentlemen. Sometimes people don't come because we don't make them welcome. We look at them like they got four eyes. Listen, when you've been out in the world, you cannot say what the world will do to you. I told you years ago about a guy that was involved in a really bad uh, motorcycle accident. A lady opened up the door and clipped him and just above his Harley boot, just clipped him right below the knee. And I uh, go in there to look at him at the hospital and I'm talking to him and they got the shock pants on him and all that. And he's sitting up there. The first question he asked me when I walked in and he goes, how is she doing? I said, there wasn't anybody in the car. He goes, I don't mean the car. I mean my, 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 my motorcycle. I said, I don't know, it's kind of a little bit bent up. And then I thought, but you're going to walk with a limp the rest of your life, man. I mean, I mean, it was bad. I'm looking down there. The, the, the stump of his leg is laying there on the bottom of the gurney. This is way back in the day. And you can see the thing kind of thought, man. But you know what you have to do? You have to look at him like everything's fine. And then and he saw me looking down there like that because they had him and the doctor had come in already and told me, he said, as soon as we take the pants off, shock pants off, he's going to be gone. He's all busted up inside. Why do you tell me that, preacher? You can't be shocked by what you see when these people come in out of the world. I mean, you get crackheads come in. You get people. They're not good people that come to church. What do you think the Lord did when he saw the woman at the well? How do you paint the woman at the well? You paint her up like Farrah Fawcett or something like that? You paint her up like she was some beauty queen or whatever? I don't paint her like that. I paint her when she comes in. She's probably got a mohawk, probably lime green. She's probably got piercings all around like she lost a fight with a nail gun. She probably got tats all over. She got sleeves down to the corners and all that. She don't have on enough clothes to make a pair of britches for a blue jay. I mean, that's how you paint sinners, isn't it? Are you sure wouldn't be wanting to wait around the well to see her, would you? Every man she's ever known has abused her. You don't take that into consideration. I see that old gal a little bit different. I think that girl, if I could put a bubble over the top of her head, you know what that bubble would say? Reckon what he wants. He knows who comes to the well in the middle of the day. I mean, every man she'd ever been around had taken advantage of her, hadn't it? Do you ever wonder that she's in the condition she's in? Maybe she was abused as a kid or maybe those men had been abusing her and she had wound up deciding that that's what she was going to be because that's how she was treated. You know what the Lord's doing? He's standing there. I guarantee you that girl's walking up thinking, yeah, what do you think he wants? He said, I just don't believe that preacher. I just don't believe. I didn't say the Lord was thinking that. Can you tell me what you think that woman was thinking? Until the Lord spoke to her and then she said, you don't talk like them other guys. Them other guys don't lead with that kind of pickup line. Uh-uh. That's the strangest pickup line I ever heard in my life. Asking me for water? Man, that ain't what they asked me for. Oh, man, you get what? Are you that guy? I've heard about you. I, I've, I've heard about you. You heard that guy? The Lord said, I tell you what, you give me a drink of water, I'll give you a drink of water, and you'll never thirst again. And you know what? He said, well, let me ask you something, sister. Uh, you got a husband? Well, yeah, but he ain't mine. He said, well said, sister. <laughs> Them other five ain't either, are they? No, sir. 
Good. You know what I can do? I can give you a drink of water. You say, whatever, never thirst again. Do you ever realize she was looking for something? That's why she was out drinking, trying to find something? That's why she was with all those guys? You never consider that. What if she was abused as a kid? All I know is the Lord said, I'll help her. Is the church looking like the Lord nowadays? Or as soon as they walk in the back door back there, it's like, well, the first thing you need to do is stop by the clothes closet back there and you need to cover up this and cover up that and cover up and so on and so forth. I didn't say you should be that way and be bragging about your past all the time. I'm We all got past. I am saying this. When they come in, do they find Jesus in the place or do they find just scrutiny? You got a King James Bible? Hey, I know a lot of people got a King James Bible and boy, I'm telling you what, they're gun to barrel straight. And just as empty. I mean, just as mean as a cotton-picking snake. And they got the right doctrine and everything else. They wouldn't help somebody like that. You say, well, that's for street people. That's for street work. That's for jail ministries. That's for all that. That's for church ministries. Where do you think they go when they think they need help? They're looking for God in a church. They're supposed to come through the doors. Hey, man, could somebody, I would see Jesus. Could I find Jesus in here? No, we can show you musicians and we can show you a man in the pulpit and we can show you a nice building and an office and that kind of a thing. Uh, but, you know, Jesus, no, we ain't seen him around here in a while. He don't bother to come by. We don't, but you know what? In all honesty, we can run it without him. We don't really need him around here right now. You know what happens in the last days? That Bible said in the last days, the Lord's out there and says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. I know you use that verse to have people open up and come inside, but that passage in the Laodicea is the Lord standing outside the door of the church and he's saying, would y'all like for me to come in and visit? Well, we don't need you. We're good, man. We are physically sound, emotionally sound, mentally and, and monetarily sound. We're good, Jesus. We don't need you to come by here. I don't come in here and change everything to make it fit you. I wonder if Jesus would help them. I wonder if we had blind people like Bartimaeus who's sitting right outside the temple. Did you know that? You know what the good religious people were doing when Bartimaeus said, Hey, help me. You know what the religious people said? Shut up. You sound like Peacock when he's preaching or Spurgeon when he's praying or Elliot when he's testifying. Why you got to be so loud? Shut up. I'm being loud because I need some help. Shut up. He doesn't help people like you. That's what the religious people were doing. Shut up. You're not like us. He wants to be around us. What does that sound like? Sound like the church today, doesn't it? You know what our church is full of? You know what your church is full of? You have a bunch of people that are in here right now, tonight, that are not as fixed up as you think they are. They're as messed up as a soup sandwich. They just know how to make it look good on the outside. But they're afraid to reveal that they're really blind as a bat and they're bleeding to death like the woman with the issue because they're afraid of how you will react to them when they're real with you. They are messed up. That's why they're here. They need help. I don't like them. You ever thought of this? Maybe they don't like you either. You probably never considered that. You know what you probably think? You probably think you would never be where they are. You might want to watch that. 
You might be running around bumping into walls one day having completely lost your mind and all of a sudden the Lord said, oh, you said you'd never be like them, huh? I'm not trying to be hard on you. I'm simply saying we have the absolute truth, the King James Bible. We know how to rightly divide the Bible. We have the right doctrine. We have the right foundation. We were trained and taught by the absolute best, the pinnacle of the temple. But when it comes to ministering, man, are we behind the charismatics, the Catholics, the Mormons, the Church of Christ, and everybody else because they will take our throwaways. Doesn't matter. We don't want them here to ruin the reputation of the church. Wow, what's the mission of Jesus? To help us? And now, Lord, that we got a little Jesus, we're going to turn everybody into a bunch of little Jesuses. And you forgot the real mission. You lost your heart for people. You've been coming to church. Here we go. Here's the whole premise of the message. But you've been missing church, Thomas. You've been sitting your... Uh, blessed assurance on that pew and you've been missing church you've been missing what church is for and why God gave it to us it's not just to pat us on the back and rub us on the head and tell us how good we're doing it's to break our hearts for the people who need what it is we have to fill us up to help us out so that we can go out so send I you go get them I am wore out with people coming into my church at 3857 Hartley Road who work on my folks that are there. They never bring a visitor. But they're always trying to fish the pond for people that are already in the church. And boy, you talk about an outreach program. Man, I mean, they got Facebook and Snapchat and Instagram and all that other kind of stuff. My wife gets mad when I wipe my snot on my tie. They have got everything at their beck and call. And you know what they use it for? They use it to, quote, minister to the people in the church with the spirit of Absalom. And they're all the time, oh, we should get together, and we should get together, and we should get together. And they never go out into the world and bring anybody. They just work on the ones that are already in there. Because there's just, we need more. I mean, the pastor, you know, he's just... He's just not there all the time. And we don't have enough social events and we don't have enough get-togethers and we don't have enough covered dishes and, and you know, and we need to be mentors for people. Why don't you go mentor some lost people? Amen. If you care so much about them, why don't you bring some lost people in? Why don't we have, well, you know, the preacher, he don't, he don't preach much in the gospel and all that. Okay, good. You preach it to him and you get him saved and then bring him to church. I know why they do that. They can't get anybody there around to come to church. So they have to work off of people that are already in the church. Now, you probably don't have that problem here. But if you have somebody leave, I'll tell you what will happen. They'll be calling back over here trying to get somebody to come back fishing your pond. That's good preaching. I'm probably out of bounds. Apologize for that, but it's done been said now. You've been sitting here, Thomas, and you've been missing when the Lord came by. God's doing something here. He ain't doing everywhere. Amen. Amen. That's right. 
But you know what happens? All of a sudden somebody comes by and guess what? They don't fit in. Well, a few years ago you didn't either. And you know what might happen? Another year or two from now, you might not fit in again. You say, why? You might lose your stinking mind. You might go through the death of a loved one. You might lose a child. Some tragedy might come your way. Some disease might hit you. And you know what you might need? The church to be a little more gracious with you. A little more kind. A little more hospitable. A little sweeter. That's why I saved the message for Wednesday night. Y'all are just home folks. I figure I couldn't run you off with a stick. But the way y'all are looking at me right now, I'm a little bit concerned. But I'm trying to help you, Thomas. You know, the first thing the Lord says when he shows up in that passage, he says, peace. You know what people are looking for when they come to church? A little peace. You know what they're finding? Fighting, arguing, fussing, disgruntled, disenchanted. Well, we like the church. That old Robin girl, she made cinnamon rolls for that preacher. She didn't make me none. He don't need no cinnamon rolls. You seen him, man? That belt looks like a fence around a chicken graveyard. <laughs> Reckon why she ain't never made me none. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you haven't ever asked her. Maybe she don't like you. I don't know. <laughs> she just putting on a show. Somebody's here and you say that. They figure, you know, if I do something for somebody, they're going to talk about me. How come they don't never have me play up there and sing? I don't know, maybe because you sing like two styrofoam lids rubbing together. But have you tried? Have you made an effort? Do you stay late to practice? Do you come early to practice? Are you willing to be put in the game when you're called upon? Are you ready to be put in the game when you're called upon? Maybe, maybe possibly, Thomas, if you do a little bit, you might be able to be used a little bit more. You know what Thomas said to him? Y'all found peace, did you? I wasn't there. I don't think the Lord would show up if I wasn't there. Well, he did, Thomas. Not only that, Thomas, you know what else he did? He showed us his hands and his feet. We got to see that. We know he was the resurrected Lord Man, I mean, we're eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Man, you wouldn't have believed it. He came walking slap through the door, man. Thomas, whatever. I'll not believe it till I see it. You know what he's saying to those guys? You're liars. You say, what happens? Somebody tells you and gives you a testimony. Boy, the Lord's been good to me. Gets broke up and squalling. Boy, God's been good to me. And you're thinking, man, how ridiculous. How silly is that? I don't know, Thomas. If you get plugged in, maybe Jesus will do something like that for you. Some of you, you ain't shed a tear since Moby Dick was a minnow. Your heart hasn't broken for lost people. Even in your own family, you are too consumed with what everybody else isn't doing. You got kids that are going to hell, and kids that are prodigal. And if you spend as much time talking to the Lord about those things, maybe God might do something in their life, but all you do is criticize whoever baked the cookies or set up the fellowship hall or clean the carpet or whatever the list is a mile long. You know what the Lord said to him? He said, Boys, he says, You know what? As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. You're looking for God to do something with you. You know what he did? He told him, 
I'm going to send you out. Here's the plan. Here's the direction. Here's what I'm going to have you to do. And then not only that, he doesn't leave them without the power. He breathes on them. The breath of God. You know what that is? You go back to law of first mention, the first time the breath of God shows up. You know where it shows up? And he created Adam out of the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and he became a living soul. That's the same breath. And he breathed into them and gave them the power to be able to do what God... Oh boy, Thomas, he's like, he don't even get it. He ain't even plugged in. They didn't go speak out in other tongues and do a bunch of other stuff and hold, do a bunch of holy roller and act like they had an epileptic seizure or nothing like that. They got the power to go out and to be able to witness boldly to other people. Well, you come down on that passage a little bit further. Let me see if I can bring things down to a point here in another hour or so. And if Thomas comes up there and they go tell him, now you know what happens if you've had a good church service? You know what you do? You go out and tell people you care about. But you know what's interesting to me? You know what they say to him, sis? They said, let me tell you about Jesus showing up. They didn't say one thing about who wasn't there. They didn't say one thing about who sang what special. You know all they were consumed with? Man, we were there and the Lord showed up. You know what they told Thomas? We were there and the Lord showed up. What do you tell other people after you got out of church? Well, I was there. They done tore up. I don't know why they done bought all these apartments. He done bought a block up there. We don't have a pot to pee in or a window to throw it out of. And they're over there now. Now they got the whole thing tore up, gravel everywhere, dust flying all over the creation. They out there putting in, him and that old white-headed feller out there putting in plumbing pipes. Who's going to pay for that? You probably don't have that here, but who's going to pay for that? What are they going to do with that? Now all of a sudden you're interested, aren't you, Thomas? You ain't been here for nothing else, but you're going to show up for the vote on the finances. Well, if they're going to do that, we ain't giving the pastor a raise. He makes enough. You know, he's always in the Navy. He was the chief of the Navy. I bet he gets a big retirement. And he buys stuff for a nickel and sells it for a dollar. We all know that. He's got three microwaves stacked up back in the back back there. He said, yeah, they're about $10 a piece. And I'm like, that sounds like you. I just went in and bought all of them together. But you know what he'll probably do before he sells them? He'll probably just give them away. And you say, what? That's just how he is. But I'm trying to get a point across to you that when you're out there in the world or you're out there with backslidden people, in this sense of the word, we're talking about Thomas as a backslider in the sense of he's out of fellowship with the Lord. He's not where he should be. I want, to note you, I want you to notice that when the disciples went to talk to Thomas because they cared about him, he was one of the twelve. You know what they said to him? We want to tell you about the Lord. Man, if the church would just get back to telling people about the Lord. Amen. Let me tell you what they're doing, man. I mean, they don't put in dimmer lights over the platform. People don't care about that. It doesn't matter to them. It's like, do they got air conditioning? Good, I'm good. I like that. But have you thought about this? What's your conversation like? when you go talk to the Thomases of the world. Is it maybe a reason that Thomas doesn't come because we're telling them about everything but the Lord? I just want to say it's in the passage. I'm giving it to you expositorily. It's right in the passage. 
He said, Thomas, we saw the Lord. It was amazing. Thomas says, you know what? I don't believe you. Now watch what happens in that passage. Because he says, I'm not going to believe it till I see it myself. And the Bible says the Lord waited eight days. In the Jewish calendar, the way they count is the day that they're on counts as one. So if you count out days, eight days, you know what it'll be? It'll be the first day of the week again. The Lord waits intentionally until the first day of the week again to show up to Thomas. He doesn't go run to where Thomas is. He waits until they're gathered back where they're supposed to be gathered for the Lord to come up. He don't make a special trip to go over there to take care of Poochie Lip Thomas. He waits for Thomas to get where Thomas is supposed to have been in order to show up again. You say, why? The Lord's making a point. The Lord's trying to get a point across and says, hey, are you where you're supposed to be? If you're not, don't expect me to show up. And the preacher, I just know where the Lord is showing. Look, I know He shows up on the stormy seas and I know He shows up out of a burning bush and I know I understand all that. That's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about now is, is you have an apostle who's been with the Lord and he wasn't where he was supposed to be and he missed the Lord when he first showed up. And about the time Thomas is there, the next time I'm positive Thomas walked in the door and he's like, all right, where's he at? He's behind that, Thomas. Just hang out a minute here. And after a while, the Lord walks in and he says, Thomas, how would you like to have the Lord walk in a service and call you by name? Man, you talk about putting you on the spot. You ever had that happen to you? You haven't lived you've had that happen to you in a church service. I'm in a church service one time and the fellow's up. I don't even know what he's talking about, drinking or something. I got no idea. It didn't make any sense to me at all. And the Lord said, not audibly or anything like that. He said, hey, I'll meet you at the altar. And I'm like, meet them at the altar. I'm preaching tonight. I'm going to the altar. And he said, he said let's go. I'm sitting about three quarters of the way back in a good-sized church building there. And the Lord said, come on. I said, what if I go up there now? They're going to think i got a drinking problem or something. <laughs> That's where that preaching came from last night. I know what it feels like. And he said, come on, let's go. You never had that happen to you? Where the Lord just out of the blue talks to you just like he did Thomas, shows up and said, hey, I'll meet you at the altar. Lord, I don't, I don't, I, I mean, I want to see you, but not that bad. <laughs> Thomas said, hey, I want to see you. He said, okay, here I am. He said, stick your paws out, boy. Go ahead, stick your fingers in the nail prints. See that hole right there? Go ahead, put your fist in my side. Right there where they run the spear up and busted through my heart there and the water and the blood flowed together. Go ahead, Thomas. You know what Thomas says? My Lord and my God, what a mess I made. But Thomas missed the first appearance. You say, yeah, well, the Lord showed up. Yeah, but he never could get back what he missed the first time. Amen. You know what you can't find right there? You don't find the Lord giving him a plan. You don't find the Lord telling him a purpose. And you don't find the Lord breathing on him. Yeah. I didn't say he didn't. It just ain't in the passage. Right. He missed some things because he missed the church service. Is that sinking in? Well, you know, you know, the Lord gave him a blessing there. He said, blessed are them who having not seen, I believe. And, and we know that Thomas winds up going out. What did you write, a fairy tale ending of the story? 
Is that to make your conscience feel better about missing the first part of the story, Thomas? The question you have to ask yourself is this. Why is it you miss church when you miss church? I realize you can't be there 52 weeks out of the year, three times a week. I mean, you expect a preacher to do that. I understand that. But you pay him to do that. I mean, you, you come when it's convenient for you. And I know every now and then you get a tickle in your throat or, you know, your corns get to bothering you or you overcooked it at work and you're a little wore out and tired and those kinds of things. I, I understand that. But, I mean, think about it. Out of 52 weeks, if you did four services a week, that's 208 services that you have an opportunity to be at. How's your attendance record? I'm not talking about being an evangelist or being a pastor. 208 times if you just come to church for us, that's three times during a week. That's Sunday morning, Sunday school and church. That's Sunday night, and that's Wednesday night. That's four services. That's 208 times. Preacher, that's an awful lot. Okay, how about half of it? 208 services. I mean, if you come just one day, that'd be 52 services. You can catch three of them. That's a pretty good deal. Oh, well, you're just trying to get an attendance record and all that kind of stuff. I want to ask you a question since there's so much stuff that's in the Bible about uh, attending church and about what the Lord thinks about the church and those kind of things. Do you not think he's keeping an attendance record? Do you, he talks so much about being faithful in little things. You don't think he's paying attention? You don't think he recognizes that if you're not interested in what he has to say and the way he set it up? I wouldn't set it up this way. I'd keep speaking through burning bushes, man. I'd have a burning bush on every corner. And people are gathered around it getting their instructions from the burning bush all the time. He did that once. I mean, I'd have an angel like in the tribulation flying around with the gospel and preaching to people and stuff like that with the everlasting gospel. He didn't set it up that way. He set it up for a bunch of preachers that are the low end of the totem pole, the base things of the world to confound the wise, the misfits, the malcontents. He puts them in the pulpit and he says, if you love me, keep my words. I set it up this way. I'm the commander in chief. This is how I want it done. Go listen and go sit in church. Lord, I don't like that church, Obar. You know, it, it just ain't a good church. You know what? We get calls every week through school and through the website and all that other stuff. Preacher, we, leave, we don't have three hours. There's no church anywhere around us. They're not around like they used to be. You say, why? People don't take advantage of it anymore. There's not a need anymore. They're closing up faster than Walmart. And I hate to say what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it. The doors of this place will shut if you keep not showing an interest in what God put here for you to take advantage of, Amen. this church, my church, Pensacola, anywhere you want to talk about, I don't care, it's Dayton, that doesn't make any difference. If you continue to show a lack of interest, you know what the Lord will do? He'll say, I'll shut the door. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Why? Church is empty. It's closing up right now. Independent, fundamental, King James only, Bible believing. Why? Nobody comes anymore, preacher. You know what a lot of preachers did after COVID? They went back to having one service. You know why they said? I asked them. You know what they said? For the convenience of the people. It's too hard for people to come to church anymore, preacher. So we have one service on Sunday from 10 to 1130 and we're done. I said, we just want to send them to Mass. What happened to Sunday school? Well, it ain't really in the Bible, you know. Well, what about Sunday night? Well, Sunday night ain't there. Bless God, in John chapter 20, the Lord showed up on a Sunday night and Paul preached the first day of the week on a Sunday night so long that Judicus fell out of the window. You don't tell me there's not a Sunday night service in the Bible. 
You just don't want to go because you don't want to be inconvenienced. What happened to the fire that used to burn in your gut and you get up and preach to animals or preach to trees or preach to two or three people in your family but now all of a sudden it's just an inconvenience. People, you know, we can't even, preacher, we can't even afford to keep the doors open no more. So we have one service a week. Boy, what a testimony to the community. The world is going to a bad place in a handbasket and you know what we're doing? We're saying to ourselves, well, you know, preacher, it's just how things are. It ain't how it has to be. We can change that. Amen. You got a good one, you know what you need to do? You need to support it. But let me say this, I'll put a bowl in the package for you. When you tell other people about your church, you're giving them a signal as to whether or not they want to be here. And if all they hear you do is talk about other people, they ain't going to want to come here because they're afraid you'll talk about them the way you're talking about the others. And when they come in here, if they don't fit in your little clique, they don't feel welcome because they're oddballs and they're strange and they don't talk, and they let a cuss word slip every now and then because they don't know any better, and that kind of a thing, and all of a sudden, you know, you can smell them, they smell like cigarettes, or they smell like liquor. Who do you think needs help? Only by God's grace, you ain't hopped up on pills right now. Or in a gutter somewhere. You you just don't, you're not real with yourself. The pressure and stuff you've been under, if it wasn't God's grace floating you through that stuff, you'd be just like them. Your mind would be so messed up. You couldn't. The problem is, is you think your mind is right. That's demonic. You say, well, preacher, what are you telling me? I'm saying I'd hate to see the doors close. But it's happening. The Bible says it's going to happen. But you don't have to be. Many shall depart from the faith. You can say, they might. We ain't. Amen. Amen. But if we don't make some changes... And we don't make some changes fast. And our revival meetings are not all about getting it up in the rafters and talking about how it used to be and how good it was back in the day and all that kind of stuff. If we don't start repeating some of those days in the here and now and the right now, ladies and gentlemen, our doors will be just as dry as last year's corn shuck. It'll be just as dry as, as cracker juice. And the next thing you know, you know what will happen? All the charismatics and all the other people that we talk about all the time, they'll have the people. You ever notice about charismatics? I mean, they're way heavy on the love issue. (laughs) But you know what's the strange thing about it? They just accept whoever comes. I know there's time for church discipline. If you're real young and some old guy's doing things he ought not be doing, you had no business being here. I'm not talking about welcoming those kind of people. But I'm talking about welcoming people that are looking for some help. The Bartimaeuses of the world that are so blind they can't tell what's going on. Now I want to ask you a question. When's the last time you thanked God just for having a good church? When's the last time you said, Lord, I just want to tell you, I've been kind of taking this for granted a little bit and just expecting the preaching to always be straight. Lord, I i got to confess something to you. I, I, think, I think I wouldn't blame you if you've been listening to me very much lately of just shutting the door because all I've done is just complain and criticize and just gripe. And Lord, I forgot it was your church and not my church. Preacher, have you ever been like that? Church member, have you ever been like that? The Lord don't show up in places like that. You know where he shows up? Where people are glad to see him. 
And when they go out of the church, you know what they do? They go out filled up, and guess what they talk about? They talk about Jesus. <laughs> Wouldn't that be refreshing? Wouldn't that be a blessing? If you're sitting at a dinner table, we were there, it's been, oh, I don't know, it's been a couple of years back, maybe three years ago, we went down to a, uh, a place to eat, a seafood place down not far from us, and we're sitting there at the table. It was real crowded and stuff, and there's a bunch of blue-haired old biddies sitting around a table over here and things like that. That's just old people that try to dye their hair and it don't turn out right. Their, their hair turns blue. <coughs> and if I offended you, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to get you a different, get you a different hairstylist. But at any rate, they're sitting over here and they're all talking. The men are over there in the corner. They're not saying much. They're talking back and forth. But these two old girls, they're just gabbing, boy. They sound like a, you know, if they talk by themselves, it's okay. But when they get to talking together, they sound like a Blue Jays fighting over a worm or something. I mean, it's just... I'm just going, and their voice is just carrying all over the place. And I mean, by the time they get done, I mean, we don't even have the shrimp on the table or nothing. And man, they have run down just about everybody. And I just don't know why that preacher does this and why that preacher does that. And did you see him get up there when he was leading the music and how he was leading the music and how he's doing this and what he was doing about that? And then they had to take up an offering. And I'm just about give everything I'm willing to give and all that kind of stuff. That's the closest I've ever come. I thought, when I got up, I thought, I want to say to you, where do you go to church? Oh, well, we go to such and such a church. Good, because I don't want to go there. <laughs> you know what all them people in that restaurant are thinking? That's exactly why I don't go to church. I ain't going to that church where them people go. They call themselves Christians, and all they're doing is talking about everybody. I pray this doesn't happen to you, ladies and gentlemen, but if you keep on doing, kicking the Lord's bride on a regular basis, if you never heard that message, you ought to hear that message. But you keep on kicking the bride, like old preacher Lackey preached that thing. One of the days, you know what the Lord's going to do? He's going to come down. He said, you know something? I am tired of you kicking my kids around. And you know what he's liable to do? He's liable to expose you for everything you are. And the Lord puts your business out there in the street and say, well... Brother, sister, you put everybody else's out there. We say, oh, the Lord will never do that. Ask David about that. Amen. Ask David if it stopped after when he said, thou art the man. He said, okay, good. Ask his concubines about that. Ask his son who winds up hanging from a tree about that. Ask a dead child about that. It don't stop. You don't get to go, okay, 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 no. You better start watching it. Amen. Better be careful. Now, I realize I may have straightened pictures tonight, and I apologize if I have, but I, I want to give you a warning. I'm burdened by it. I'm watching churches in the United States, not Romania, not the Ukraine, not Russia, not China, Japan, some foreign country in Africa. I'm watching churches in the United States of America shut their doors because Thomas ain't coming no more. I ain't going. Where was Thomas, preacher? I don't know. Why wasn't he there? Because he didn't want to be. Don't know where he was, but he wasn't where he should have been. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll help us consider these matters, and I realize, Lord, that in the last day and time in which we are living, that people won't take too kindly to being warned about the importance of having a church. And we're thankful, Lord, that you pardoned Thomas for what he did and for his stupidity of not being where he needed to be. But God, we need to be reminded that you put the church here for us in honor of you to learn about you, but also for people that need help that are hurting.
And God forgive all of us for the way we talk about the church, your children. Forgive us how we talk about your bride. Forgive us how we mock, belittle, and make fun of people that are trying the best that they possibly can. And Lord, help us to be more welcoming and more concerned and help us not to be the Thomases. But help us, Lord, to be faithful until the end. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.